this amateur hour. Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just an amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go. Folks, you got Ryan Scott Hall, and across the table from me, the Lord of the Living Room, his darkness. What's up? Is that what I am? Um, I don't know. I was feeling kind of Jerry Maguire-ish today. He's he's the the Lord of the Living Room, hmm. as, as he likes to say in that film. Ah, ah, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, all right. Well, folks, Kansas City Chiefs win again. Three and O. Oh. Um, I don't really know how to describe the game against the not San Diego, Los Angeles Carson. Chargers. Carson Chargers. The Carson, California Chargers. Um, I you don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's, well, I was going to typical say, Andy Reid Chiefs win. I was going to say like hard fought victory. But, I mean, Philip Rivers threw three picks in basically, like, his first three drives, and... You gotta go back to your um, last week to describe that win, I think. Yeah. It was the Chiefs' first 15 plays win. There you go. Okay. <laughs> get those 15 plays in there, get up 14-0, and, and shut it down. I, I did see that uh, on Monday, His Darkness came out on the tweet machine and said... Listen, if you guys need me to explain for the 34th time <laughs> what this Chiefs game was, I'll be happy to do it. That's exactly how many times Andy's done it. <laughs> Is it actually 34? No. Oh, okay. Should be. I mean, that's, that's, that's what he does. He loves to get to a two-score lead and then shut the offense down. Turn Alex into as safe a quarterback as he can mm-hmm. and ride out that victory. Rely on the defense, run the clock. This is nothing new. He's won a lot of football games doing this. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, really, for him, I mean, I think the bottom line for Andy is that he, he doesn't want to show anything that he doesn't need to. Um, so much about the way that this offense seems to be crafted, especially now with the explosive explosive players that they have. Um, you know, they use all these fun sorts of misdirection. Uh, the shovel pass is, is becoming a, a really fun, uh, surprising element. And I think that for him, like, that, that surprise that he wants to be able to, like, catch teams off guard, you don't need to use that in week three when you're winning by seven points and the other team keeps turning the ball over... <laughs> 
and and you're like you just there's no reason for him to pull any of that out. No, no. And for a team that's as scheme dependent as the Chiefs are, you just can't go pedal to the metal using all your artillery for 16 games plus playoffs. You just don't. Even Andy Reid does not have that much in his brain. Mm-hmm. Does not have that much geared up. You cannot use that for an entire season. So against like the team like the Patriots, you know they're going to be firing back. So you're you're going 60 minutes there. Mm-hmm. You're using everything you got to pull out that win. The Chargers with Philip Rivers, who looks like he's completely washed at this point. Yeah, it's there's no reason to. He's throwing jump balls. We have his picking off as many as they're catching. Like there's just no reason to to do anything. So you run. Package plays, screens, yeah. run it, just run the clock and, and get out of there with the win. And I mean, in the moment, it's always it's it's always more difficult while it's happening to remember to remember that it's happening. I love it. I mean, because like you have to admit that you had some frustration when you're in the third quarter and you're like, God man. Third and eight, third and twelve, third and fifteen. Oh, long, yeah, third longer and than that. Third and nineteen, third <laughs> and eighteen. You're getting like all these long third downs, and you're just like, what are, what are we doing? You know, there is there is frustration in the moment, but then you get that that victory Monday, and you get to start looking at it um, contextually, and it's it is a pattern. It's easy to make sense of. Now, one thing that I will say about the Chargers, obviously, Philip Rivers, he doesn't look great. Does not look great. No, um, he's done. I don't think, honestly, like if I had to pick out, like oh man, you know, on this one, the defensive player like made a great play, instead of that pass was just thrown up for grabs. Peter's deflection that Sorensen like trapped but didn't quite catch. Yeah, that's a great defense. The ref play. broke it up. But I mean. Like, pretty much, and, and I'm not trying to slouch, you know, great positioning or reading the receiver or anything like that, but, like, neither of Terrence Mitchell's interceptions were like, oh, man, look, he just made a sensational play. You know? like no, I, it, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. For, I mean, we talked about, during the games on Sunday, how easy it is to just throw the ball up and underthrow it and get a pass interference flag if you don't turn around at the right time. I suppose that's true. And on that first one, Mitchell just... Gets his body turned around at the right time. I mean, he yeah. spots the ball as soon as the receiver, so he goes up and gets it. Yeah. Uh, Peters' play was great. It's something he's really good at. He, I mean, he's not covering the, go- the guy that ball was thrown to. Mm-hmm. He's covering a guy going up the sideline and just watching the quarterback, not thinking he's going to throw to him, overthrows the guy underneath, and Peters just peels off his man and gets that easy pick. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a nice play that only a few corners can do, and, and Peters is one of the best at that. He's really good. Mitchell's his second one. He's on the sideline. I, I don't remember. I don't hardly remember the play. I even rewatched it yesterday. I still don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were just so many turnovers. It's, it's hard to differentiate, right? Yeah. There was another one. Peter dropped later too. Like there was plenty of interceptions to be had out there. Well, I Rivers might. He's gonna throw a lot this year. Yeah, he he's gonna throw a lot. Yeah, he's his arm strength. Just the way he's winding up on some of those throws is just like, oh yeah. It does not look good. He's, I think he's done, and I think Roethlisberger is close to done, too. It's it's an interesting time to be an NFL fan, especially in the AFC. A lot of the top-tier quarterbacks on the way out. 
Well, and you've got another one, um, completely off topic, but you've got another one in Cam that, like, you're seeing people talk about, like, is is his body breaking down yeah. already? Um, so, but, anyway, I, I said that I, I would say this about the Chargers. Um, I think that the game changed when Melvin Gordon went out. Uh, Melvin Gordon was... I don't, I don't know what he was averaging per carry when he came out of the game. I didn't really look at it that close. But, like, Melvin Gordon was, I felt like, running pretty easily through the Chiefs' defense in that first half. And when he came out of the game, uh, I, it was a hip or something. Um, I, I thought that the game changed because San Diego was then one-dimensional. They had to put Brandon Oliver in there and... Uh, it just it just really slowed them down, um, and, and when you give Bob Sutton the ability to play against a, a one dimensional offense, uh, it, it makes his job really really easy, and he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look at the stats: Melvin Gordon, seventeen for seventy nine. Uh, I think he was at his first four carries went for forty yards. Uh, I remember it at one point. Um, and that 17 for 79 is, is pretty much like where Hunt was before the 69-yard touchdown. Close, yeah. And Brandon Oliver, 8 for 16. So, yeah, obviously he was not effective. The Chiefs' run defense is interesting because it seems like it's either a 2-yard loss or a 10-yard run mm-hmm. on every play. And that might be an indictment on the linebackers because it's either the defensive line making the play or it's getting to the secondary. Yeah, um, but I watched them closely yesterday in my rewatch, and I didn't think they were particularly bad. But I don't. But that's the the logic of it points to poor linebacker play. It seems like maybe Derek Johnson just used to get off those blocks a lot easier. But it's not like he's. I don't see him playing bad. It's just he's getting blocked. Yeah, like there's a guy there that's blocking him, and so I'm not. Maybe the Chiefs just aren't committing enough guys to the run, and maybe that's that's part of the Andy shutdown mode. Is uh, you know. You can run the ball if you want. Go ahead and take those eight yards. You're going to run the clock, and we're going to shut you down in the red zone. We're going to tighten up there, and we're going to tighten up on third and short or anything like that. Uh, So go ahead and run and run the clock if you want. One of the things about the linebackers that I thought was really interesting, um, when when going over the snap counts, I saw that uh, Rameek Wilson played like 21 snaps out of a possible 70 or so, and uh, KPL... Uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis, the guy that the Chiefs traded. Pierre Louis. Yeah. Pierre Louis. He's the guy that the Chiefs traded DJ Alexander for. Um, he played 19, and he played two fewer snaps than Ramit did on Sunday. It looked like two full drives that they sat DJ out, and Pierre Louis took over for him. Well, and so here's something to consider. Um, I. Therese was going to do a mailbag, and uh, that jerk didn't take my question, but he decided that he he would... uh, Triggered! He'd tweet with me um, a little bit about it. And I basically, I asked him, I said, you know, the writing is on the wall for Derek Johnson, and I'm curious if you start to give some of these young guys snaps, like throughout the season to kind of gradually phase DJ out, or if you just, like, get everything that you can out of him this year and then basically just tear off the Band-Aid in the offseason. And 
he said that he's like, listen, I think that DJ's still working himself back, which I think that most of the teams in the NFL are. People keep talking about the first four weeks of the season being an extension of the preseason. I think it's more um, two weeks, but yeah. And and yeah. DJ himself, you definitely see it. you saw like the scoring was like it was like twenty point one, twenty point three, twenty five point something, like in terms of team points per game mm-hmm. from week one to two to three. There's just a huge jump from two to three, like a five point jump, and it's just teams are really taking preseason off and coming out in the first two weeks and just looking completely discombobulated. And I think there's you can exploit that. I would go the opposite way. I mean, that's kind of the, the Patriots' way over the. Bill Belichick's tenure is to go the opposite way. I would go all out in the preseason and just be prepared for those two first two games. Yeah. I mean, two games can make all the difference for home field advantage, being in the playoffs or not being in the playoffs. Like it's there's an advantage to be taken there. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that. Um, but you look at 2016, and you know DJ had to work himself into form last year too. I think that he was he was fairly rusty out of the gate, um, and I mean coming off. An Achilles injury this year and being ready for the start of the season was astonishing enough. Um, and we've obviously, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know we've talked about him trying to adjust to his age now, mm-hmm. his speed, his range, and it's like his instincts are still there, his mind is there, oh, yeah. but his but he has to get his body to to recognize what he can and can't do now, and how he needs to adjust his angles and and things like that. And, I mean, I saw a few instances where it was like he tried to hit a hole that maybe a few years ago he would have been able to get into the backfield and give you that DJ special, but instead, like, got blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I do wonder if it was just trying to, to keep guys fresh. I mean, Justin Houston sat for a series early in the game, and yeah. everybody was kind of freaking out, like, what is going on? Guess what happened on that drive? And did they score? They scored a touchdown. They scored a touchdown. <laughs> Well, there, there you have it. So with Justin Houston um, on the field, they scored three points. Know, three points. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, what what you look at with that? Um, Houston was sick. He missed practice during the week. Therese just said that they were trying to keep him fresh. And it was and, hot out there. Yeah, it was hot. So That's, that, that was the rumor across the NFL this week. It was a hot week. Hot. It's hot. I, I felt hot. It's pretty, I felt hot. Pretty warm. Not not in my gambling or FanDuel or anything like that. <laughs> not 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 in that way. Just mm. that I felt hot sitting on my couch. Oh, okay. Right. That's why I was sitting there naked. Uh, so you didn't notice? No, I didn't. <laughs> huh. Well, um, the Chiefs have twelve touchdowns through three games, and none of them have come from the defense or the special teams. Hey, how uh, how sustainable is that for this team? Um, I we obviously know that they've got these great weapons. Um, and Kareem Hunt is kind of the, the star of the show right now. Um, but we've seen, basically through the entire tenure of having Andy Reid here, that the defense and the special teams playing really key central roles in the Chiefs' ability to close out some games. Um, I, I wonder... If it's just, it's only been three games, and sooner or later, like, we will see some of those scores, and we're going to have down offensive games, and, and we'll get to see what we've seen in the past. But it does it does look a little different on offense, does it not? It does. It does. You know what that thing that makes me think? Might be time to bring back a favorite segment here. Oh. That's right, boys. 
We're taking a deep dive today. We're bringing it back. <laughs> Had some time on my hands. Wanted to check some stats out. So I went far, far, deep down for this deep dive. How about some weird stats? Chiefs offense is first in yards per play by a lot. <laughs> by a lot. By a lot. Yeah. I know coming into the game they're averaging 10 yards on first down. 10 yards per play on first down. <laughs> uh, I kept trying to make a joke like, hey, so they never have second down, do they? Because I mean, that's it's just right. 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, all the way down the field. Uh, they are averaging 7.1 yards per play, and this is after going into Andy shutdown mode for a solid half. Uh, 7.1 in second place is 6.5. Um, interestingly, an odd, odd stat. The Chiefs are 28th in offensive plays. 28th in offensive plays run. Defensively, they've faced the most plays in the NFL. Time of possession, 29.57 for the Chiefs. So six seconds less than their opponent. And yet, they are 28th in plays run versus first for the opponents. Hmm. This is just a really weird kind of, you know, brain teaser here. The Chiefs are just holding on to the ball and, and going very slowly. I just imagine well, you, during your deep dive, being like, Whoa! Whoa! How? It gets weirder. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs also lead the NFL in offensive penalties and yards. Um, they've been racking up the penalties this year. Mm. Defensively, they're right around the middle of the road, but offensively, just over and over and over. Thank you, Brian Woodsman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, is that all I got? Um, yeah, it looks like they're, they're currently allowing the most first downs per game on defense, which I thought is interesting. Mm. Uh, and that is, that is concluding this week's deep dive into Chiefs' weird stats. A lot of leading the NFL. I have, I have a, a couple additions to, to the deep dive. They may not be as deep. All right. They were pretty well-reported stats. Oh. But, uh, the Chiefs, now at an NFL record of nine straight games... With a touchdown of 50 yards or more. That's pretty fun. That's not bad. They have suddenly become really explosive. <laughs> and six of them were, were Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one that I, I really liked, um, a non-Tyreek Hill stat. There's only one rookie with more rushing yards than Kareem Hunt in his first three games since 1950. Can you name him? Billy Sims! Not Billy Sims. Wait, what? Not Billy Sims. What was the stat? There's only one rookie running back with more rushing yards than Kareem rushing Hunt. Rushing yards. He's his, first total, his is total yards. Is this the one that's like the Crusaders or whatever? Like the Decaders or... No. No. No, no, it is. Kareem Hunt and Billy Sims have the same number of touchdowns through three games. That's the I think he has... Record. Billy Sims has more total yards. So it must be receiving Oh, okay. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Cadillac Williams. <laughs> you got it. You got it. I, was, I mean, I've been seeing those lists all over, and I know his name was up there quite a bit. But he had like 30 more carries, I think, in those three games. Yeah. Like, if you look at that list, there was a list I tweeted out at one point, and it was just like, Kareem has way more yards, way fewer touches, and way more touchdowns. It was just unbelievable. So... You, you mentioned uh, the offensive penalties. 
Um, and really, it's penalties. Let's just say that it's penalties across the board because, um, you know, in week one, the Chiefs had 12 penalties or 15 or something like that against New England. And I would say it was probably 10 on the defense. Yeah, a lot of those were yeah. defensive holding, legal context. So, um, I mean, right now, through three games, I think they have 32 or 33, like, accepted penalties against them. Um, and I know that, like, there have been multiple times where the Chiefs have had, like, there are two penalties on the play, both on the defense. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God. Um, I mean, is this, it's, it's only three weeks, like, but is this cause for concern for you? Uh, no. I mean, I'm not concerned about anything, really. No. At this point. <laughs> no. no how, about, how weird is it the team the Chiefs have become? Big plays, penalties all over. It's like, we're like the early 90s Miami Hurricanes out here. We're getting unsportsman likes every week. Yeah. Like, what have the Chiefs become? What happened? We got this running back ripping off sixty yard runs every single week. I don't I don't recognize this team, but we were we were labeled the most boring team in the NFL less than a year ago. Uh, I I think it's fair to say that we are no longer the most boring team in the NFL. I mean we got this yeah, for sure. This innovative offense that we're they're unspooling with run pass options all over and shovel passes and option runs. Uh, it's incredible. And all credit goes to dear Andy Reid. Of course, forever uh, and always. Yeah, I love you, Andy. So I love you. Generally speaking, the Chiefs' offense didn't like do a whole lot. They did enough, but they didn't like do a whole lot um, on Sunday. And so I wanted to ask you a couple questions. First and foremost, did you notice that Mitch Morse wasn't playing? Oh, actually, wait. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I have a belated birthday gift for you. Hey, buddy. What's up? Yo! Whoa! Hey, that's Nick Wright. Is that Chris what? Carter? What? <laughs> What's happening, everybody? Happy birthday, Dirk. Hey, thanks. You're like a week late. Come on, Nick. Well, I mean, it's the first time I'm talking to you. Maybe I'm just early on next year. Quite the <laughs> quite the uh, birthday present, the Kansas City Chiefs being the best team in the NFL, something that I think maybe the only people in the world who saw coming were the two people I'm talking to right now. Oh, no, we were, we were ready to punt on the season. We were, we were ready for Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, actually. Yeah, yeah, not... Uh, so I'm not the only one. No, didn't, didn't see this coming at all. And actually... Nick, I'm really excited that you started with the Chiefs being the best team in the NFL because I was that was going to be like one of the things that I wanted to just get you to say. Can you just say that they're the best team in the league? And you you did unprompted. Um, is it? Are they that like clearly better than pretty much everybody else right now? I know it's small sample size, but still. Well, I don't know if they're that much. I don't know if anyone could possibly be that clearly better than everybody else, but I do think that through three weeks, they're the only acceptable answer to the question, who's the best team in the league? Mm-hmm. They have they have the best I win, think, and I think that they have two other like convincing, somewhat comfortable wins. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say absolutely. Like, the... They certainly have one of, if not the very best win anyone has in the league this year. I think that depends on how highly you think of New England. I don't think I hold New England high as regard as everyone else. 
what was the score week two? Uh, I think week two, they ended up winning 27-20, right? But it was yeah. really 27-13 with like 10 seconds left. Yeah, right. Yeah. They scored against uh, against. I, I would say their wins in week two and three are against two teams that I ex- well listen. The Chargers are not going to have as good of a record for as good as they are, right? Like the Chargers easily could have come into that game against the Chiefs two and zero. And Philly's fine. Like Philly's, you know, a team that's going to win eight or nine games, maybe more. Like they they here. I mean. They, they haven't trailed in the second half since the fourth quarter of the New England game, right? Like, I'm saying these things and, like, I'm fact-checking myself, but I think that's true. They didn't trail in the second half against Philly. Not that I can remember. If they did, it was very early. They certainly didn't trail in the second half against San Diego or against whatever, the Chargers. Um, yeah, I mean, and you don't see any what, – what part of the team concerns you right now? Uh, I got nothing really. But Nick, let me ask you this. We've kind of been here before. Uh, we all got hyped up about the Chiefs last year with they were finally yep. beating good teams. Uh, we were 9-0 and at one point in 2013. So we've kind of been here. We've been the best team in the NFL in the regular season. What are your prospects for the playoffs? Can they get it done in January where this team has faltered? I can't engage on that. I just can't. Like, I, I, purely because I promised my, last year, you guys know this, I, after the Atlanta win, I finally bought in. Like, you guys know that I've been skeptical of the Andy Reid, Alex Smith experience from its inception. I, I, I didn't want to buy in. I didn't want to have my heart broken again. After the Atlanta win, I did buy in. I went on television every chance I got when the playoffs started that the Chiefs were going to beat New England. And I guess technically I wasn't proven right or wrong on that because the (laughs) damn team couldn't get to New England because they lost a goddamn playoff game where they scored two touchdowns and their opponent scored zero. Uh, and, And I just promised myself in that moment that I'll never be hurt like this again. It's why I also didn't buy into the, or it's, I'm sorry, it's why I also wanted them to start Mahomes. Trade Alex Smith, start Mahomes. I, the, the, and so I don't know. I, I just know I'm going to enjoy this along the way. It is interesting to me that we have a little bit of evidence that this team is far better than it, than, this team is better than its own management thought it could be. Because if you have a team that's good, what you don't do is spend two first-round draft picks on a guy who's not going to play this year. Yeah. I don't, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It like, what play. players could they have added if not only do they not draft Mahomes, but if they decide to spend both those draft picks on players to help them right now? I don't, I don't disagree... Nick, I just, I still don't think that they made the wrong move there. I really don't. After oh, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I don't think they necessarily <laughs> did either. And I think, I just think that it reminds you that this is a surprise to everyone, including the people mm-hmm. in the building. Like the, 
I would just say a team that you think, hey, they might go to and win the Super Bowl, it's odd for that team three months before the season starts to fire its GM and draft its next quarterback. Yeah. It's a very unique situation that you have a team that is competing, uh, let's just say at the very least, like competing in the playoffs, competing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl with like the next quarterback on deck. I mean, we've seen that, I guess, essentially with Green Bay when they took Rodgers. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, like the transition in Indianapolis, they went straight to luck. You know, there aren't, and I don't know if you could say Garoppolo is the same thing in New England because he's not a first round. The guy. Broncos like, taking Paxton Lynch kind of kind of fits. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, the uh, the Chargers when they drafted Phil Rivers and still had Breeze. Yeah. Did that happen? Am I making that up? Uh, yes, that's correct. Breeze was kind of a disappointment his first couple of years. They drafted Rivers, and then Breeze really right. took off. Yeah, yeah that's right. Right. Um, the, but the other thing about the draft that, obviously, you guys know this, and so, like, I don't have to remind you, but, like, just to, you know, kind of just say for people that are, even if you know it, if you're not thinking about it, the reason that spending this year's first-round pick on a guy that they hope not to play doesn't hurt you is because you also drafted the guy who three weeks would be the league MVP, but you got him in the third round. <laughs> He's not bad, is he? Right? I, I think he'd be unanimous league MVP, wouldn't he? Like, obviously he can't keep this up to this level, but let's just, the, his production through three weeks, if you halved Cut in half his yards per carry for the rest of the year. He finishes the year at 4.3 per carry. <laughs> like, he's, he's giving you eight and a half yards a rush. He's just been insane. Nick, let me ask you this. I think a big topic around town is going to be the usage of Kareem Hunt. Uh, he's obviously your best way to win games at this point, but he's also a rookie coming off you know, they played 10 to 12 games in college, I guess 12 games. Uh, and if we're going to go on a playoff run, that'd be 18, 19, 20 games. Uh, we also kind of saw this with Jamal Charles. We kind of always saved him, and it never really panned out. Like, we never reaped the benefits right. from I'm, saving the Jamal Chiefs Charles. Saved Jamal Charles. The Chiefs saved Jamal Charles, so thankfully in year 10 or whatever it is for him, he has something left for the Broncos. Yeah. It's infuriating. <laughs> so, um, so do you ride him but, every week and use it as your best chance you to win? Of course you ride him. Listen, of course you ride him. I, I, it might not be the best thing for Kareem Hunt's like long-term financial prospects, but the NFL teams don't care about this. You know, this story came up on the TV show today. And uh, by the way, for amateur hour listeners, 5.30, 8.30 Central Time, first things first, with myself, Chris Carter, and Jenna Wolf on FS1. All our uh, listeners are up at that time, I swear. When it came, or well, maybe they haven't gone to bed. When it, came, <laughs> when it came up today, I was like, oh, wow, maybe the Chiefs have been, you know, giving Kareem Hunt the ball way more than I thought. And I looked it up. The dude is averaging 15 carries and three catches a game. What the hell are people talking about? 
What is, since when is 19 touches a game too much? I don't understand. Well, no, I think like, it'd be a, a future This isn't a Larry list. Johnson situation. Right, and, and Nick, I think, you know, one thing that uh, <clears throat> I heard on Monday from one of your protégés, uh, Carrington Harrison on 16 <laughs> here in Kansas City. Uh, I'm glad you clarified which Carrington it was. <laughs> correct, yeah, there's more than, more than one Carrington. No, he was talking about, like, what, what you got from Kareem Hunt, what you have through three weeks is peak Jamal Charles as far as the numbers are concerned. So, like, to be able to add that to this team, essentially in the same offseason that you got rid of Jamal and people were really worried about what, what they were going to look like, um, that's, that's maybe the biggest surprise so far of, like, the entire NFL season is, is just the way that he's performing. Of course it's a surprise, and it's also a reminder that no one knows anything. Because mm-hmm. this dude wasn't going to play if Spencer Ware doesn't get hurt. Like, no one knows anything. We all pretend we know things in the media and pro football organizations and management laugh at us. But the thing is, is we know as much as them because no one knows anything. Just total guesswork. No one in... I'm just curious. If, like, if Joe Mixon were doing this, then it would be like, okay, listen, the guy fell in the draft because of something totally unrelated to football that's awful. But, um, you know, everyone saw the talent. Everyone evaluating draft prospects. Was anyone saying, but just so you know, Kareem Hunt out of Toledo might be the best of the bunch? I didn't hear anyone saying that. And now I know we're only three games in, but damn it, this guy, it, this looks like it is who he is. Like, this looks like a not to this level sustainable, but this guy looks amazing. And the. The, the duality, if you will, of having he and Tyree Kill has to be just terrifying and infuriating for defensive coordinators. Like, do the Chiefs have the two fastest guys in the division? Like, probably. Kareem Hunt is surprisingly fast, and somehow he ran a 4.6 at the Combine or his Pro Day or something like that. No like, That way. was the knock on him was his pure speed. He ran a 4.6. Yeah. But the, but was he, he hurt? The pads on. <laughs> was he? I I have no clue. I mean, I assumed he wouldn't run if he was hurt. Uh, Mellinger had a good tweet last week, like he should have ran his forty with his pads on. Yeah, like mm-hmm. and he's putting up these. They have these speed trackers now, and he seems to be in the top. No, five and he right. Week. And in in week one, he was like the fastest guy in the NFL that week, wasn't yes. he? And Tyreek was second. Yep. Nick, are you uh, four six? <laughs> Nick, are you as excited as I am that the Chiefs are a headline game on either like Monday night or Sunday night or Thursday night, like standalone football game, four out of the next five weeks? So I am guaranteed to get Nick Wright and Chris Carter and Jenna Wolf talking Chiefs. Oh, well, I'm excited now that you tell me that. <laughs> The Chiefs don't have that. a noon Sunday game until, like, late November. We've got Monday night this week, Sunday night next week, and then it's Pittsburgh at 325. Thursday but night. But then Thursday night against the Raiders, and then Monday Wait, night against tell the me, tell me, the, tell me who they're playing. Like, I've got, I do, every day when I do the show, one of the 
many pieces of paper I have in front of me uh, is the schedule grid. So every team and who they're playing, but it doesn't, the schedule group doesn't say what day of the week. It's just, you know, which week number and which team. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know like the long-term outlook of the nationally televised games. And I guess I've forgotten. So tell me, tell me the Chiefs upcoming schedule and when these, when and where these games are. Nick, first, can you, can you make me a copy of that and sign it and send it to me? I will put it on my wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. The schedule grid's awesome because it's, it's a one sheet of paper that's like an Excel thing that's just every game for the NFL season. Hmm. Well, okay, so, so this week, Monday night at Arrowhead against the Washington R-Words. Um, okay. Next week, they are Sunday night football at Houston. Oct- okay. October 15th. We host the Steelers, and that's the 3.30 game. That'll be the nationally televised afternoon game. Um, and then four days later at Oakland on Thursday night. And then Monday night football the night before Halloween, October 30th, hosting Denver. Holy moly. <laughs> okay. It's so the... And then the following week, they're actually you're, you're, at Dallas that afternoon... The three twenty-five game, and they'll probably have Romo on. Well, that now. means we're going to be talking about it every single day. I mean, we'll love the Chiefs like ever. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's all our tough games uh, like the next six weeks, and then the last six weeks of the season are is very very manageable. The so the easiest game the Chiefs have in the next six is in Houston. Uh, did probably. you say the game against Oakland was? Was in Oakland? In Oakland on Thursday, four days after playing the Steelers. Right. And I know your thoughts on, your guys' thoughts on Derek Carr and how the Chiefs own it. Uh, He's great. It is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just like an, an exciting, it's, it's just exciting and, God, they're fun. I, it, the, the thing that's still... Um, you guys know, or maybe you don't, but I'll remind you, because this was one of my hobby horses when I was in Kansas City doing radio. Like, I love this take, if you will, so I, I would bring it up a lot, that people always talk about the importance of defense, but they never ascribe the same fatalism to defensive injuries that they do offensive injuries. So people talk about how important defense is, but when a defensive player goes down for the year, that never changes people's projections for that team. But when an offensive player does, it often changes projections for that team. And so I do worry a little bit that that's kind of happening with Eric Berry, yeah. that the Chiefs lost either their best or second-best defensive player. And people are like, yeah, that's terrible, that sucks, but they're still going to be fine. And through two weeks, they have been fine. That injury still does concern me. The only possible upside to me is because of when it happened, it's not like come playoff time they're not going to know how to not know how to play without. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and I, I, I'm just, I'm just so glad, even though it's not great for the Chiefs' cap, I guess I'm so glad he got his contract. Like, if there's anyone in football that deserves to be rich forever, it's that guy. And he, 
you know, he took a big risk by playing under the franchise tag, played at an all-pro level, and got the new contract. And then, tell me if I'm wrong on this, he tore his ACL when Jamal tore his, correct? Against, I, am I making that, that up? One game. Yeah, he got he got hit in the knee by Stevie Johnson, yeah. like like twenty yep. yards away from the play. Okay, that's what I thought. So Eric Berry, when he comes back and makes another Pro Bowl, he will be a guy who has come back from a torn ACL, cancer, and a torn Achilles. Yeah. Correct. Correct. That's insanity. Dude, and I know he hasn't come back from the torn Achilles yet, but if he came back from a torn ACL and made a Pro Bowl, came back from cancer to be the best safety in football, like an Achilles ain't nothing. Yeah. Like, this is, he is the one guy. If he makes one more legitimate Pro Bowl All-Pro after he comes back from the Achilles, I, he's the one guy that I think you can argue even if, like, the numbers or longevity production isn't there, we're putting him in the Hall of Fame because he so clearly was that caliber of player. Yeah. Like, you lose you lose seasons due to a three as disparate injuries or diseases as you could get. And just whenever you come back, you're amazing. And he'll have the, the accolades to back it up just because, I mean, he was... Pro Bowler and All Pro in his first couple years, maybe based on name alone because of his draft pick. But now that will benefit, you know, his resume once that once that time comes. Like if he's able to come back and keep playing, I it wouldn't shock me to see him be in the Hall of Fame. Of course, the guys, I, I love that guy so much. I love him so much. I'm really excited, Nick, for you to be able to in in these standalone games be able to see what Justin Houston looks like again. Uh, oh, I know, dude! Through three games, like he he looks same as he ever was. The guy is unbelievable. He's and the thing. And he, you, go ahead. I'm sorry. The the thing that I think is so underappreciated about him, you know, you look at a guy. Like, I, I don't know, Michael Bennett or Cliff Averill or some of those pass rushers where it's like the way that they affect the game is by hitting the quarterback. And Justin Houston does everything. He is the number one player in the NFL, or I guess at his position, um, according to PFF, in run stop percentage. Dude, you just, when I was trying to interrupt you, <laughs> like, you took that is exactly what I was about to ask. Exactly. I was about to say, you know, you guys watch every snap of every game closely, which I'm not able to do, but it seems to me like he's as good of a run-stopping outside linebacker as the league has. He's, and oh, it, yeah. it seems like you're saying that's, the, that's correct. Dude, it's honestly like at times I wonder if he's better against the run than he is at getting after the quarterback because he is so good at setting that edge. And then ultimately ending up making plays. Half the time, he forces the guy to go, you know, to, to like forces the running back to go inside, and then he just tosses the offensive lineman aside and makes the play himself. He's unbelievable. And Chris Jones has been pretty unbelievable too. Yeah, he's Chris Jones is really fun. It's it's kind of crazy with all this talent that we fired the guy that drafted most of them. I guess he didn't draft Houston. It's but. nuts. There's got to be a story there they're not releasing. 
Uh, I tried to uncover it. It for can't him. be that he was rude to people in the building. I, I tried to get to the bottom of it for like three months, and nobody was interested in playing conspiracy theory game with me. Yeah, I mean, it's, you got to play, to quote my buddies Wazzle and Slimfest, this is like a perfect instance of like playing pretend you know. To get someone in the Chiefs like building out with you one night, a couple cocktails in them, and just play pretend you know. Just like, man, the latest John Dorsey story is crazy, huh? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, wow, I mean, can you believe it was with her? And just see, like, what the reaction is, and then just keep going until you get to somewhere. Um, Have another drink. But, uh, uh, and I mean, and Marcus Cooper is now the best version of himself. Marcus Cooper! Like, the big... Marcus Peters, you're fine. Oh, damn it, sorry. Marcus Cooper is... More memorable play by Marcus Cooper on Sunday. Because of what happened Sunday, I apologize. <laughs> Nick, I want to um, ask you. But yeah, man. I I want to ask you real quick. Um, kind of the the storyline, I guess, for us going into the season, and and ultimately Dirk's take on it was, you know, this this dichotomy of Alex Smith versus Pat Mahomes, and and Dirk said that he anticipated. Alex sensing the moment and whether that meant that he played like, but whether the results were positive or not, that Alex was going to play differently that because Mahomes was there and Alex could see, this is my last shot, um, that that was going to push him. And I think that we've seen that through three games. Is that something that you anticipated at all this year? No, I, I didn't. I absolutely didn't anticipate it. But I think it's good analysis, and I think it's exactly what happened. I mean, it's a bit of a, you know, I don't have anything to lose. Yeah, like, I mean, might as well. It's the, I think he knew, like, if continuing to play the way I've always played, even though it is a defensible way to play, is a guaranteed way for me to lose my job. And even if I didn't go get another job, then I'm on my third team, and it's just, uh, you know, whatever it is, it's it is not a, it's not the best way for me to figure out the best I can possibly be as a football player. And this is. Yeah, and just for a guy that's, I mean, had this happen to him before, he's been on a Super Bowl team, Super Bowl quality team before, had his job taken away. I just, I, I thought he would evaluate himself to the point where I can't just, you know, play the same way I always have and just allow this guy to take my job. Like, I need to change something. I need to be better. And the clear way for him to do that was to start throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I would be perfectly clear on Don't that. worry, I was mocked by everybody. Don't worry. <laughs> One of the really interesting things with Alex Smith is that over the last few weeks, so he did an interview, and I'm assuming it was in the offseason, but he did an interview with this guy that was kind of long form um, on Bleacher Report, and they released a few different videos. And in one of the videos, he basically said that he just doesn't care anymore. 
Um, at, in terms of like what people's impression of him is, he just he he's stored it up for so long that he's like I, he he basically recognized like I I don't I don't need to impress people anymore. I'm not you know the number one overall draft pick anymore. Like I've been in this league for eleven seasons. Like it's I get to be who I really am. And then man on Sunday, and Nick, if you want to take. A minute or two. I don't know if you're going to be able to do it more eloquently than you did on Monday, but Alex Smith, after the game, to my knowledge, the only person that like went straight at Trump and basically said that he thought it was ludicrous that the guy did not call out neo-Nazis. Using that language verbatim, Alex Smith in the locker room. Uh, and I don't think he's the only person who did it, but I think he's the only white quarterback who did it. Okay. Um, Fair enough. And, uh, and no, and that's a powerful position. I wasn't saying that sarcastically. I've been that seriously. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, he's been great on this. If you remember, he wore the safety pen. Yep. And I thought the safety pens were kind of silly, but, like, he wore it knowing he was going to get asked about it. Yep. Uh, and the, I think the other thing that is comforting for Alex Smith is that he's no longer a punchline. Like, it's no longer number one overall pick Alex Smith because, like, Alex Smith has had a better career. I think, I, I haven't crunched the numbers on this, but I bet you Alex Smith has added more value than... I bet he is an above-average number one overall pick. Do you could, follow me on that? I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you like lined them all up, are you saying he'd be yeah in the top fifty percent? Because 50%? he's been a productive quarterback. Yeah, and, and so a productive sure. quarterback is going to add more value than like an all-pro offensive lineman. Uh, he's, he's, you know what, uh, so he's obviously more valuable than all the busts. He's going to be more valuable, you know, the, uh, right now, who would you bet on that? Do you think, do, do people think Jared Goff's going to measure up to Alex Smith's career? I don't. Um, hell, I mean, right now, my guy Cam is, he's obviously reached a that Alex Smith didn't, but so like he's just not a punchline anymore, and I think that's probably got to be relieving. And now he is in the part of his career where it's like, "F it, I'll try it. I'll see what this style is like. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the worst thing that happens? I'm rich forever anyway, and people aren't laughing at me, and I've won more games than I've lost. Like, let's go for it." It's really refreshing. And what are the Chiefs? 25 and 9 <laughs> in their last 20, 25 and 4 in their last 29? Yeah, we're good. Sounds right. Yeah. Nick, let me ask you this. You're the only guy I'd want to ask this. With these protests and everything that happened, what are the chances it divides some of these teams? Like the Steelers. Oh, it's already happened. With the guy in the in the tunnel, and then Roethlisberger coming out afterwards, and then Mike Tomlin, an African American head coach, and then you saw Seattle, and and Bill Simmons was talking about how they had a four hour team meeting before the game. 
and then you saw the way they played, and they just kind of lost their heads during the game, especially Richard Sherman. Listen. Like, what's, what's going to be the I result think, on the field? Yeah, on the field. So I think the Steelers are a good example. Uh, not because of Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, that guy seems like an awesome dude whose teammates love, who I don't think he needed to, but apologized for if he thought he put his teammates in a bad spot. He was an Army Ranger. Like, that guy, I got no beef with that guy. But... Big Ben's not in the greatest spot in the world right now with Trump saying they're buddies. Uh, Dave Cutler is saying he supports him. I mean, what right now, What what is Trump's approval rating amongst black Americans? Like, 4%? So, like, what's Trump's approval rating amongst black Americans who he called sons of bitches? I'm going to say closer to 0%. Like, if the median average black American didn't like him, and then these dudes he directly calls sons of bitches. Like, so we're talking about 1,600 NFL players, 70% of them are black, so you're talking about about 1,150 dudes, right? Are there maybe 10 black dudes that like him? Like, if I'm just doing a numerical thing, okay. So if you have a team where you have prominent guys particularly the quarterback, who do like this guy. I mean, listen, it's broken up marriages and families. You don't think he can break up a locker room? And unlike previously, now it can't be ignored. Like, the, you know, Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell or whomever, maybe knew Big Ben had been down with Trump, but, you know, we can stay at Now... I don't know. Some interesting, if I'm just now just totally playing the numbers game, don't you think there's some interesting practice trash talk between offensive and defensive lines relating to this? Hmm. That'd be interesting. Like, does Trump have a zero, does he have a zero percent approval rating amongst NFL's defensive lines? <laughs> I would say yes. <laughs> Except for the Buffalo Bills, who have Kyle Williams. Right, <laughs> we're all, we're like, all trying to think of a white defensive lineman. <laughs> right. Jared Allen. <laughs> I thought that uh, it, it, was, um, it was a really, really interesting show from the NFL. But I used that word deliberately. And um, I just, I thought that... that your comments on Monday, I thought, Nick, were um, honestly like as, as good as I heard, and I know that probably seems like I'm pandering to you, but... Um, no, I agree with you, actually. I think it's the best thing I've ever done in media. <laughs> I thought so you were going to say you. I was better I than everybody else. <laughs> I just... Um, um, can, I, can, I, can I tell you guys something? Please. That I will tell you guys that I would never tell anyone publicly... Uh, so I am going to tell you this asking that you don't tweet about it, but it will just be one of these little Easter eggs for the people that listen minutes into this show, because i got to run soon. You're fine. You know who really liked my comments on the anthem and who reached out to me to give me a internet digital attaboy and then echoed those comments himself the next day? Hmm. Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Isn't that cool? Man. I mean, he's overrated as a quarterback, but that is really cool. <laughs> Whoa, chill. 
I really enjoyed your Packers commentary. Like, we can't have Rodgers the best quarterback of all time, and then Mike McCarthy be a top five head coach, and then their GM be considered a top five GM, and yet they underachieve most years. Right, and you took that as a reason to be like, and that's why Rodgers sucks, because Mike <laughs> McCarthy's Vince Lombardi bitches, when in reality, like, his GM stinks, his roster stinks, his coach is mediocre. Did you guys see, by the way, real quick, I'm telling everyone this story because it's so funny, and then I really do have to go. Do you guys Are you guys familiar with the website The Daily Caller? Nope. No, huh? Okay, it, it's like a, it's like Breitbart with 60% less racism, Okay. I mean, but it's the same ideological lean, okay? So a dude from the Daily Caller, uh, day before yesterday, tweets out, just spoke on the record with an NFL owner. He is, quote, effing livid about anthem protests. And I'm like, wow, this dude from this, you know, kind of fringe website got a really big scoop. And I check him, he's verified on Twitter, he's got like 4,000 followers, and I'm like, wow, this is like a big deal. Like, the NFL's all together. And so I'm waiting for him to post the article. He posts the article, I'm reading the article, and like the ninth graph, there's this. We should note, the owner we spoke with is a shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. Oh, man, that's like, dude, you just called up some guy in Wisconsin? <laughs> like, I'm pissed. <laughs> some dude who, like, had a spare $600 one holiday season and bought himself a share of the Packers, and you're claiming you talked to an NFL owner? That's <laughs> headlines, man. Gotta use those headlines. <laughs> I mean, isn't that one of the greatest things ever? Spoke with an NFL owner. Like, that should be a whole new... We're talking about, like, clickbait, fake news stuff. There should be a whole genre of, like, NFL owner arrested for, you know, public intoxication. NFL owners scraping by while applying for welfare. Like, just a whole... A whole genre where NFL owner is just a dude in Wisconsin who has a share of the Packers. <laughs> I love it. That's that is like a parody Twitter account. That would be a sublime one. Oh An gosh. NFL owner. Well, hey, hey, happy birthday! I'm glad I was able to catch up, and let's do this again before uh, before, before Halloween. Okay. Sounds yeah, good. for sure. That's <laughs> definitely before that. Thanks, Nick. Better get to bed. I, no, I just I just got up from my nap. You, I thought my schedule in Houston was weird. I get up at three thirty every morning. That's so I'm just I'm just in a constant I'm in a constant state of what day is it? Hey, I'm gonna start tweeting you late at night because you'll be up for the morning. That'll be our new form of communication. <laughs> okay, yeah, I love it. All right, I'll talk to you guys. Right. Thanks, Nick. Wow, Nick Wright. Nick Wright. Um, he just randomly called you. Well, I mean, I set it up. Oh, but I was. Oh, wow! Look at you. I was working. I was working on trying to add add a little something today. And, add a little spice. Uh, and was fortunate enough to to get our old friend Nick. Um. So there's there are still a couple of football things that I football that I wanted to go over. Um, but I also wanted to kind of briefly talk about. 
Sunday and I guess maybe the last year or so in the NFL as far as the protests and stuff are concerned. Um, so I'm going to give you the option of do you want to talk some football and close with that or do you want to talk about that because that's kind of where we were a little bit with Nick. Uh, the option, huh? Uh, let's go football now. We'll do some football. Okay. I know that a lot of you probably, uh, don't want to hear that, so yeah. Saving, yeah, we'll say that Saving it for the we'll All right, so, um, first, first story that I want to, I want to go over with the Chiefs. Pete Prisco, stop tweeting at me, Chiefs fans! That was great. Um, I mean, I also love the fact that, of course, Joel jumps on it, and he's like, no, n- never stop tweeting. Yeah. Never stop <laughs> tweeting at Pete Prisco. Um, I don't, I don't know like what people were jumping on him about. He probably just said the Chiefs weren't going to no, be the, very his, good. Yeah, or... his predictions, he picked us to finish fourth in the AFC West. Oh, okay. Fourth. Oh, well, that's not smart. But someone I think someone had a great much... picture that they flipped the standings. Because it, <laughs> it was him and someone else picked them fourth, and then another guy picked them third. And so they like flipped them. So it was like the Chiefs in first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think they both picked the Chargers to win it all, so then the Chargers dropped the last. Like oh, it looked okay. it was like, hey, you guys got it. <laughs> well, I did I mean, I love Prisco getting so frustrated that he has to tweet about it. <laughs> like I mean, I just I just imagine like Lock and Fora having to go through that and just like never backing down. Never backing down. The Royals are terrible and so on and so forth. But Pete Prisco. Good job, Chiefs Twitter. <laughs> um, I also... Did you notice that Mitch Morris didn't play on Sunday? Oh yeah, that's where we left off. Um, did I notice? Like, no. did, it, did it... And that's not... I'm not trying to slouch him at all, but it's more a statement about... Zach Fulton's a really good I think good that center. Zach Fulton is, is a good center. He's going to get a very team-friendly contract next year to be someone's starting center. Is how I see it. I think so. It'll be... I think it might be tough for the Chiefs to keep him. Yeah, I don't think there's... Depending on, like, how they want to make their investments and, like... Well, he's so much better at center. Yeah, unless you're going to... Unless you're going to ditch Morse. But he's got an extra year, right? Like, we have to decide on Fulton this year and we have to decide on Morse the next year. So, and, and here's the thing, man. Like, if you think that Zach Fulton is, like, a, a very good player at center. Not that Morse isn't. Zach Fulton is a six-round pick that has essentially one year of, of, well, I guess you'd say two years of being a starter because Anger missed a lot of last season. Um, and versus Mitch Morse, a second-round pick. I mean, if you signed Fulton to an extension and decided to let Morse walk, like, you are going to save money. Yeah. You may save a significant chunk of money on an offensive line that you already have three highly paid guys. Like, they may decide that they're going to pay Fulton to stay because they can't afford to keep Mitch Morse. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see the numbers, the kind of interest he get, he gathers. Uh, because, yeah, if, if it's a team-friendly deal, like I'm saying, I would be interested in bringing him back just to be... I mean, we talked last week, he's, he's the backup at every single position right now. I think yeah. if a tackle goes down, I think we'd go Fulton over Cam Irving. I they think. might just just yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I that's don't... extremely valuable to have that you know kind of. Oh, uh, I think Jordan DV may play. I don't know how they would do that. At tack- at yeah, tackle. I, I don't know. Tackle is the one that's is questionable. Uh, I just tackles think... are very important. 
because uh, yeah. we don't have a backup tackle. Right. Because it would be Zach Fulton, who we've never seen line up at tackle other than, what, 20 snaps at practice this year. Right, right. I just, I, I think that it's it's very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how long Morse is out and then, like, if they just immediately put him back in and what they do. I mean, I that's my assumption is that Fulton then ends up on the bench, but, I mean, I don't know if the Chiefs can afford to pay Mitch Morse like front line offensive lineman. It'd be interesting. So salary. you're talking, yeah. Would you rather have Morse or would you rather have Fulton at sixty percent of the price or something? Right. And that'll be the right. debate. That's that's tough. Um, um, along the offensive line, I think we should also talk about Mitch Schwartz. Yeah, that, I mean, I was going to ask, like, is, is do we have he a, good? Do we have a problem there? Is he good? I don't know. I was told I was a little disappointed last year because he was the number one right tackle in the NFL. Like, okay, far, and they. And I think that that may and that was 2015 with like the Cleveland with pass Cleveland. blocking, but it might have it might have been overall. But well, he's a better I mean, pass blocker than run blocker. Yeah, that's I mean that's certainly they they brought him here because it was like the Browns in 2015 played against the AFC West and Schwartz didn't give up a sack to any of the pass rushers in the AFC West. Yeah. Well, he did on Sunday. Yeah, uh, he was getting abused by Melvin Ingram, who's Melvin Ingram, man. He was on. He was unblockable. It didn't. It didn't matter which side he was on. He was getting to the quarterback. Like Bosa was kind of just there. Melvin Ingram was wreaking havoc. Ingram and Bosa is is. I think that's the best pair in the league. Yeah, and Bosa's only. In a it's got it. Ingram. I don't remember him looking that good. I mean, he was like solid, and he put up like eleven sacks or whatever. So you're like, oh, he's a good player, but man, he was dominating. Yeah. And the thing with Mitch Schwartz, I kind of, I was kind of disappointed all season last year, but people just kept saying he was hurt. Yeah, he's hurt, so he's not playing. Whatever. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, hurt now, and he's definitely not bad. He's just not the best right tackle in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I, I did a little research. Uh, he is the seventh highest paid right tackle right now, uh, and the twenty fifth highest paid offensive tackle overall. Okay, which kind of tells you the respect given to left tackles still when we talk. We talk a lot about how both of them are equally as important, yeah. especially in the AFC West. Uh, those numbers are uh, average cap hit per year. Uh, so seventh highest paid right tackle, twenty fifth highest paid offensive tackle overall. That's I don't have a problem with that. That's that's fine with me. Eric Fisher is actually the sixth highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And that might just be. I mean, both of them. They're still relatively new contracts. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it, in a I year think it was two. the second highest paid right tackle when he signed it. It's just mm-hmm. whoever signs next is is getting more and more. But I want to reiterate again: our tackles are supremely important. Even if they're not playing up to whatever standards we have, we do not have a backup tackle, and things could go very south this season if one of them gets hurt. Yeah. Because you saw in the off in, in the preseason, like our second offensive line. I'd say good in the interior, but those tackles, yeesh, that that will ruin a season if one of them goes down for the year or something. So, um, one one other quick thing on the offense, and and this is not a fully developed take. It's still still marinating, still still baking a little bit, still in the oven. So forgive me if it ends up falling flat. But on Kareem Hunt, when I look at like the just go to like the NFL.com team statistics and look at the Chiefs page. And I look at the offense, because you can break it down offense, defense, so on and so forth, right? The Chiefs have 
almost 20 fewer first downs uh, than their opponents. We're really not very good on third down. Offensive yards, we're, it's pretty much dead heat. Through three games, we have like 70 more yards than, than op- opponents. I think we're number one in yards in the NFL. Um, passing yards, we're, we're 60 or 70 yards less than our opponents. Like Everything looks pretty even. But where the difference is, is we have 150 more rushing yards and six more touchdowns than our opponents. Like, right now, the Chiefs being 3-0, and the difference is Kareem Hunt. He is the difference. Yep. He is the bottom line difference. For He's the one team. that none of us accounted for coming into the year. I well, mean, we may have thought he took over the job and did good, and hey, we have a decent running game again. Nobody expected this. You I mean, thought it was going to be this gradual thing. Yeah. Spencer Ware, he starts to kind of run down a little bit because he's not really a full-time starting running back. you know. And maybe Hunt slowly gets worked into the offense and maybe he's the starter by week 10 or 12 or something like that. and Or, or just the roles reverse. you know. And that's kind of what we want. At least what I wanted was like, I, kinda, I really want to see Hunt as the starter... With where is the supplement, the power back? Mm-hmm. Um, is where done for the year? I I don't know if it's he's like a candidate. Fake to IR. Back. I can't keep up with with what's going on. Some people saying that that Cairo is a candidate to come back, and don't worry, we're still going to talk about the new kicker. Yes. Um, but yes. I'm like, really? You're going to bring a kicker back from injured reserve? I mean, I, I well, you bring two back it. now, right? Instead of one. And so that's something. One of those is Nelson, guaranteed. Is he on IR? Yeah. Oh. Nelson got put on IR, like guaranteed. He is he's one of the people that's coming back. Okay. Um, they have two guys on pup, both of which they plan on bringing back mm-hmm. with Tamba and Daddy. Speaking of D Ford. Speaking of daddies. D Ford. Uh-huh. Hurt the hip on Sunday. Oh yeah. Um, and I saw a lot of people asking Therese, how long do you think he's out? He said, hey, I think he's fine. I want to ask you this question, and I'm, I don't, I... I'm very glad you brought up D4. <clears throat> no more than anyone else, not, not really a huge fan of D4, but if he does miss some time, like, do, do you think that the Chiefs defense could be in any trouble at all? Because at that point, you do not have, aside from... Tano, TK, K Pasa. Who he got two got, snaps? He, I did see that. He got two defensive snaps on Sunday. He got chipped like, really hard on by Gates on one play. And, oh, I didn't. And, <laughs> and it was just like, kind of stood there. <laughs> um, but Second like, play, he did drive the offensive tackle back. I'll say that. He looked, he looked decent. It was but, at the very it was on that last drive when they were down two scores. Go out, on. Outside of, of him, there's not another pass rusher. Like there there isn't one. So that means that you have Houston and Zombo. Essentially, like, needing to play most of the game unless Sutton starts to scheme and only have one of them on the field at one time. And they would basically be giving each other a breather until they feel comfortable that they could put, a, you know, the rookie out there. So, and, and listen, Frank Zombo, he's not bad. He's tap water, you know. But, <laughs> like, at least... Whoa, whoa. Why are you going to shit on water like that? But I just... Like, Ask Flint, Michigan, how they feel about tap water. Oof. Okay. All right, that's fair. Um, <laughs> and then ask like, them how they feel about Frank Zombo. I just look at... Yeah. I just look at D Ford, and it's like... 
I still, I don't think he's very good, but, like, at least there's, like, some sizzle there that, like, teams have to account for him, at least. And with Frank Zombo, I don't think you do. He just kind of does his job. Well, yeah, he's just there to to play his assignment. He's not going to ever play above expectation, really. Man. But he's not going to screw up, and hopefully he plays the run better than D4 is, though. Yeah, he should. I'm I'm glad you talked about D4, because I want to unveil a new segment for this here podcast. Uh, D4 is such a polarizing player. It's things to like, things to dislike. And it seems to kind of waver weekly. Like everyone was super high on him at, at one point last year. Uh, so the new game is uh, we are going to define where D Ford stands at this time period, parodying the catchphrase Ford Tough with a word that rhymes with tough. A lot of words that rhyme with tough muff, puff, stuff, snuff. Okay. This week, D Ford, or this week, D is Ford Scuff, because okay. he got a little boo-boo. Oh. So this boo-boo. week, D is Ford Scuff. All right. And we will have a new rhyming word for Ford Tough every week. And this okay. is sponsored by uh, Ford, Ford Motors, Ford Ram Truck. <laughs> go, go buy one of those. Okay. Yeah. D, D-, D- Honda. <laughs> brought D- you Honda. By, brought there you go. D Honda is Ford Scuff. <laughs> there we this go. Week. Uh, the, so the last, I have, I've got a couple stats for the defense. I guess I could have included these in the deep dive. Um, are we going back to the deep dive? No, that's sure. If you want. I got some deep dive. You have some more? Yeah. Oh, okay. A double deep dive. Yeah, let's load up another. Um, Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, now feeling in the mood now. All right, so uh, neither of these stats came from my brain, um, <laughs> so that's fun. The getting very existential on us from from uh, people that I admire. I admire their work. I think they do a great job over at SettingEdge.com. The Chiefs' defense has allowed eighteen fewer completions than the current NFL average. This is one of the things that they like to do over at Setting Edge is establishing what the mean is and then giving you like the top five teams that are above it and the bottom five teams that are below that. Yep. Um, Chiefs, 18 fewer completions than the NFL average. Far and away the best. And I do want to mention that two-thirds of the time they've been playing without the highest paid safety in the history of the NFL. Fewer completions. That's not... Completion percentage? That is number of completions. We have Which is crazy allowed 18 fewer completions than what the NFL average is. Which right is now. crazy considering the stat I gave earlier that we've faced the most plays, mm-hmm. most number of plays on defense. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that's Brady went like, what, 15 for 37 the first week or something? Like he was we also under 50%. have probably been penalized a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, nope, didn't catch it. <laughs> Uh, so my con- contribution to this second deep dive of the show, we had to honor it by because we brought it back. It was on the yeah. shelf for so long, I actually forgot about it. Yeah. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> uh, this goes back to the Andy shutdown mode. Uh, the 21 pass attempts for the Chiefs was the second fewest official passing attempts for Chiefs under Andy Reid. Hmm. Uh, only fewer was 2014 versus Seattle. Game that of, game you may game remember. That was a great game. Uh, 19 times under Andy Reid, the Chiefs have thrown 27 or fewer passes 
They are 17-2 and two in those games. Ooh, son. And I know, I realize, I get the flaw with the stat, because if you're winning, you run more, so it's, it's kind of the chicken and the egg there. I get it, but 17-2 is still impressive. Uh, both those losses were actually to Denver, at home, in primetime. Mm. Two games that we have attended and left very sad. Man. I think that uh, that was something that we were hammering maybe a, a season or two ago on this year program. Yeah. Like, Andy, please hand the ball Stop off. throwing. I mean, I, I... Oh, yeah, it used to be a huge thing. Run the ball, Andy. Yeah. And, I mean, one of, one of my own... We're going to get back to that, aren't we, with Kareem? Yeah, probably. I mean, I... I ooh, I guess I should say this. If you, I mean, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Scott Hall. Hey, um, I've heard of that guy. My, 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 my own favorite tweet of my own tweets <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday was running works better when you actually run. Oh, like you have to hand the ball off for the run to work. Yes, and uh, I was, but that you know that second to third quarter, man, it was a dark time. It's dark time. Um, last stat on that. I have I have one more stat, but it's a def- it's a defensive. Oh, yes, yeah. stat crazy today. Stats, man. I I, I felt like kind of slept walk through last week's show, so I wanted to spice things up this week. Okay. I did a, I did a lot of research. I got things we're we're not even going to get to because we're going along here. Yeah. Because Nick talks so long, damn it. <laughs> Twenty one or fewer pass attempts, five or more sacks. It's happened to the Chiefs twice since nineteen seventy nine. So 21 or fewer pass attempts and five or more sacks. Basically giving up a lot of sacks when you're not throwing the ball hardly ever. Uh, happened to the Chiefs in 2001 and 2012. Oh. So it's an interesting stat. Uh, the oh, other, interesting to me, probably not to a single other person listening, but that's that's fine. Did you not? I mean, you couldn't tell by my, huh. Oh, so y'all. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, the last the last couple stats I've got for uh, the, the defensive Lovers out there? Justin Houston. I know Craig Stout is now on the edge of his seat. In his last 46 games, he has 48 and a half sacks. There are only two players in the NFL since 2013 that are averaging more than a sack a game. Justin Houston and... TJ Watt. (laughs) Two sacks in two games. I I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. Now the other thing I saw that from Matt Derrick. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where I, I couldn't I believe he included. I couldn't believe he included <laughs> T.J. Watt in there. Just throw right. like a minimum five games or something. <laughs> right, minimum three. Although maybe that drove the point home more. I was like, wait, yeah. T.J. Watt? Yeah, uh, but the the other like the, the the kind of the sub stat in there is that total sacks since 2013, one and two, J.J. Watt and Justin Houston. Still one and two in the NFL since 2013 in sacks, and both of them yeah. have missed an entire season. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Those guys are a cut above. Yeah, Von um, Miller missed some time too. Yeah, he missed. He missed. Pass rushers probably third. Get hurt. Um, so we need we need to talk about the kicker, but then I also I butt also, kicker, butt kicker. Yes, I said uh, butt kicker or butt liquor. Only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I didn't get it until you said it in that in that tone. Yeah. So we have we have a new kicker. Butt kicker. <laughs> Harrison Butker. Um, I saw totally a typo. I saw that he so he went to Georgia Tech. It's part of the kick and pick. Is that I didn't understand that. Uh, guess, it was a big win for Georgia Tech over Georgia. Oh, okay. Like 
they hit like a 52-yard field goal to send it into overtime, and then DJ White won it in overtime with an interception. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, and at was, some point, that, meant to be. that got named the kick and the pick, and the two players were butt kicker and DJ White. Right. I will say this. Um, obviously, having a rookie kicker at any time is a little bit unnerving. Yeah, this... Um, and, it's it's and worrying me. You really don't want the kind of momentum that the Chiefs have right now and the way that the season has started feeling. You don't want something like a kicker to get in the way of that. A kicker! Um... I just, and we're sitting here talking about a kicker. Right. Uh, especially given Chiefs' history with kickers. I will, however, say um, I think that people should maybe feel a little bit more comfortable for a couple reasons. Number one, he made the active roster in Carolina. They had two kickers on their roster and were trying to figure out what they were going to do because they couldn't decide. He made all of his kicks in the preseason, including like a 53-yard field goal. Um, and... Then they ended up stashing him on their practice squad because, like, they they liked him. Like, how many kickers are on practice squads in the NFL? Now it's probably zero because we got the only one. Yeah. So, um, and, I mean, and just searching his name, it seemed like Panthers fans liked him over Gano. And maybe okay. that's a, just a product of searching the name. Just want the new guy. Because yeah. you're not going to use his name if you want Gano, I guess. Right. I guess that's true. But it seemed like Panthers fans wanted, they liked Butker. Okay. They liked Butker. Um, another note on special teams, we have a new returner too, and people may not recognize this, and it's not just because Dat is probably going to miss a game or two with the shoulder injury that he ended up with after San Diego, or sorry, Los Angeles, whatever, Carson, Carson. um, but Akeem Hunt, not to be confused with Kareem Hunt, unless you are trying to trade Akeem Hunt in fantasy football, um, have you seen, have you seen the tweet threads on it? No. Um, I think it was like Uncle Chaps, and he was trying to encourage people, all the different stoolies, to, <laughs> to trade Akeem Hunt. <laughs> and like, and so they had, it's they, had, like, they had this long thread of people that were like, just got Julio for Akeem <laughs> Hunt. Thank you. <laughs> so go, go find that. It's, it's good. Awesome. Um, but so we have, we have two running backs. They also have the same last name as the owner. This is a very interesting dynamic, oh. and you don't have to do it right now. The clerks. But I need his darkness to fire up the nickname generator for this running back tandem. All right. Hunts. All right. I am on it. That's something that I need. I'm on it. I'll come back to the next one. I mean, I, I do like the uh, synchronicity. Synchronicity. Mm-hmm. It's a word. Look it up. It is. Uh, of of hunt and hunt uh, hunt hunt I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. hunt 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 <laughs> I'm playing techno bowl lately so that's a <laughs> the quarterback just sits there hunt 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 until you until you hit until you start yeah. and then <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes I will, I will put that in the nickname generator it's 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 coming it's coming. I've I've been ever since I came back from Columbia. I've been in this creativity lull. Yeah. I tried really hard to bust out of it the last couple days. I've just been, you know, smoking copious amounts of pot, uh, really just putting off all other activities in life, ignoring my family and friends. Uh, I'm really trying to get back at it for the people. Okay. For the people. I'm glad that you shoulder that responsibility seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. It's it's 
it, trust me, it's not it's not fun when when the creativity isn't there because I, I thrive off it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I really love the Travis Kelsey as being punished by not throwing him the ball theory. I just love it. It'd be so much better than suspending him, which would be like a vacation. Like, hey, I get a week off. <laughs> now it's like you're still out there helping the team because you have you're you're taking attention away. And and you have to block, you have to run block, but we're just not gonna throw you the ball. Take that. Well, that's your punishment. And when we, I were... love it. I, I don't care how absurd it is. I love it. If Andy Reid is thinking that way, he's so next level. Andy Reid. Oh God. Oh man. I want him to win a Super Bowl so bad. I just want to go hug Andy Reid. That's all I want to do. Well, and when we were talking about it on Sunday, you're like, well, I guess that explains some of the uh, Alex holding the ball too long. Like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> Travis is open, yeah. but... Yeah. Once he got two scores, like, whatever you do, do not throw the ball to Travis Kelsey. It's just sitting there, ah, he's the only one! Uh, Alright, I don't I don't have any more football. Uh, can we bring the Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs chant? Dude. It was, how do we get it in an opposing stadium and not our stadium? That was something that I didn't quite understand, but I absolutely loved it. And like, Chiefs! Chiefs, 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 It's it's unbelievable. Like watch That's the end so of that game. It's on the Chargers' last drive, under a minute to go, and it's just like intimidating as hell. It's just like this deep based Chiefs chant. It is awesome. Like I will do anything to get that going in Arrowhead. I want it really. Unfortunately, really I will not be there on Monday night to get it started myself. I, I won't. I won't be there either. But. It's a good game for it. I will be listening to see if I can hear any traces of it. I any do, traces. I do want to, like, campaign with the likes of Joel and CDOT and Mellinger and Therese. Like, please, can you guys please just just help help us? Help us! <laughs> and the Origins, this used to be a Chiefs chant, it sounds like. Yeah. But there's that game where John Elway can't hear because of the crowd. And in the highlights of that game, you hear this just... Dominating at Chiefs chant, and it's it's phenomenal. I, I want to bring it back so bad, and we we will start spearheading. This is our new goal for 2017. Absolutely, absolutely. I also think the Chiefs are going to blow the Redskins out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I will say this: if the R words win on Monday Night Football, they're going to be the talk of the league after beating the Raiders and Chiefs on back to back weeks. Yeah. Um. Redskins actually have the just, second best run defense in the NFL right now. I saw kind that they statistically had the best defense overall, but I mean, it helps when you hold a team under 100 total yards for one game. <laughs> uh, Zach Brown, guy I hammered for all. I was banging the table for all offseason. You were banging the table. He looks fantastic. Yeah, he's he looks good. really good. Um, and he's and being paid half of what Dustin Goldquist being paid. Oh. They also, and like, he is, he's playing a lot more because Mason Foster's hurt. Mason Foster's a guy, when he was coming out of Washington, like one of the many inside linebackers that I wanted the Chiefs to draft. Um, and he, he went to Tampa mm-hmm. to play in that defense and just like, just, just didn't pan out. And suddenly in like year five or six, is really good. Like, I, I watched a little bit of that game on Sunday night with the, the Raiders and like, Man, they were talking up Mason Foster. Really? Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I was right. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> also, the Raiders are fucking terrible. That was 
an atrocity of a game. Oh, they're... I don't understand what happens to the Raiders in some games where they're just like, nope, we're done. We're not going to play offense. And it's not like it's not like Andy shutdown mode when they're up two scores. It's like they're down two scores in these huge nationally televised games with the division on the line, and they just kind of, you know, don't... Tr- I can't tell if they're not trying or they just give up or they're that incompetent. But, man, they have games... I never see NFL teams play that bad. Like good NFL teams play that bad. So that was fun. I will I will close out uh, the football talk with this. Travis Kelsey is um, he's going to be really fired up because it's Monday night and it's Arrowhead, and because he got one target on Sunday, mm-hmm. and um, he's going to be playing against guys like Zach Brown. And Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger, who, if you guys don't remember, was like lethal. DJ Swearinger put a hit on Marshawn Lynch in that game. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Like, I could have watched that hit a hundred times because he decleats Marshawn Lynch. And Marshawn Lynch is like the one who usually does the punishment. Yeah. It was amazing to see. Washington's defense has a ton of attitude. And. So the Chiefs. If. If Kelsey, you see old Daniel Sorensen back there just dropping the elbow. Man. That was all within... Peters got the unsportsmanlike. Houston makes a play in the backfield and then just screams at the Chargers bench for 10 seconds. Yeah. And then, like, the next play, Daniel Sorensen just, like, drops a forearm shiver into the into the neck of a Charger for no reason. We also play some attitude. They do. I just... Um, I'm going to give everybody, like, fair warning beforehand... This is going to be a big test for Travis Kelsey. I'm, I just... He'll get it figured out after his punishment. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Alright, so I, I... I've been trying to think about... How... Like, how to talk about what happened on Sunday. Or really, like, what has been happening. And um, I just... I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, I want, I want to say something meaningful. I want to say something truthful, and I want to say something like you know, with with some passion and some integrity, and um, I think that that might be the problem right now. Is that everybody? Is trying to say something, and um, I can't. I don't want to just flip it and say, you know, we need to listen to each other. Um, but I think that that everyone seems to be trying to say something, which means that I feel like for so many people, we don't know what we're talking about anymore, and that's. Um, something that I, I really admired about what Nick said on Monday. Um, and granted, he had a, a very early in the morning opportunity to do that um, be, just because of the time of his show. Uh, so, I mean, he's one of the first videos out there that you saw on Monday of someone really trying to bring it back to why... Kaepernick sat down in the first place. What what is actually going on here? Um, 
I wanted to ask you a couple questions because uh, this is something that, when it comes to politics, I think that you and I both tend to try to avoid it as much as we can, and especially the way that that Trump has changed the landscape. But I know that you got really sick of Kaepernick, and I think that it didn't necessarily have anything to do with him. It had to do with every single decision having anything to do with a quarterback was was going back to but Kaepernick doesn't have a job mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on what his protests that started over a year ago has now turned into and if if it is specifically with him just a matter of like the media coverage of him or if you have any any specific like Colin Kaepernick no I, no I got a problem with Colin Kaepernick I mean it's 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 the people that turn everything make everything about that yeah and so you know this quarterback gets signed hey but Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job when the reasons are very clear why he doesn't have a job and I don't think it's because he's being blackballed I mean, it's just He's going to be your backup quarterback, and he's going to be a huge distraction. Now, I really like the Bill Simmons theory that like a team that's really underperforming, like the Cincinnati Bengals or another team like that, would be a very welcome distraction. Like, let's turn the media's attention to that. I like that theory. That's that's fantastic. Uh, but it is, and people are just passionate about it, and I get it. I've been there. Uh, Fuck, you can see it from me with the NFL ratings things. I would make tons of stories that weren't about that about that last year just because I was passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Or quarterback play. So I've pe- seen you do that a yeah. lot. So people are just passionate about that. And I guess, I don't know, it annoys me. I don't get like mad at people. But I, I guess I get mad that it's just constantly in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm. I also want to say. I want to preface everything I say. I am not educated mm-hmm. on any of this. I don't know the ins of the outs whatsoever. That's why I don't want to speak on it. That's that's part of what bothers me. Is this opens up the door for people who are educated in sports to talk about these topics, and that works when you're like Nick Wright or Danny Parkins because they are educated and passionate and care. But then you get everybody else that's just in sports talk has to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you guys, this isn't what you should be here for. Like, you're educated in sports, not on these social issues. So don't talk about it. Like, the hurricane comes and affects sports. You don't hear people breaking down hurricanes all of a sudden. You don't hear, you know, Lake and Binkley on 610 start talking about the path of a hurricane and, and breaking down all this stuff because they don't know about weather. Mm-hmm. And and I guess you could have an opinion or whatever, but to get on these platforms and speak it out when I don't think and I don't want this isn't like at Lake and Big. I don't I don't know yeah. what they're saying at all about it. For sure. I just picked people at random. Uh, to speak on it when you're maybe not the most educated on it is is kind of bothersome. Yeah. So I don't it's not you're you're misusing your platform, I think. Like you're not there to speak on these issues like 
That's uh, I'm, I'm trying to say it. Well, and but and I th- I think the frustrating thing for me is that it has it has happened on both sides. There are people, um, you know, in sports talk that come to the defense of Colin Kaepernick or want to villainize him. And people that have nothing to do with sports, you know, whether they're it's people that are in politics or just you know whatever Joe Joe Plummer or whatnot, like um, that they haven't been not only paying attention to like what how this thing evolved, um, but also because you know Nick talked about that that misleading headline the 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 joke that was really fun with, you know, owner is livid about the protests and it's just this one guy. Um, but like, because of how things work right now, um, with social media, um, with the algorithms that they use that put you in an echo chamber of what you like is what you see and you never see the opposite side of it. Um, and people just constantly, for the most part, they get, all of their beliefs affirmed over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And so when something like this happens, they think everyone, you know, for the most part agrees with me, except for that fucker out there. And, um, I, I wrote a paper, um, the fall semester last year that was, I started writing that paper like a week or two after Kaepernick sat for the first time. And I then was, was forced by the teacher to stick with the topic, not specifically of Kaepernick, but the reasons for his protest. And I had to write about it the entire semester. So basically the entire football season last year, I was writing research papers and all I did was research basically every one of the unarmed African-American, like, highlight incidents. And um, in reading that, in in being educated in that, and, and then feeling like I wanted to have conversations with Nick. I wanted to have conversations with Danny. I wanted to have conversations with really anybody that would listen because I was interested in hearing what other people had to say because it was just me sitting at home doing this research. And... Um, It's, it's really disappointing to me now that it took Trump saying, I, I wish that one of these sons of bitches that is kneeling for the anthem would get fired. That it, it took that for the NFL to really like show a true sense of unity before Sunday. There was only a total of like 20 people that had knelt at any period over the past year. It was a very, very small number. And suddenly the whole NFL and Jerry Jones and Daniel Snyder and all these different guys, you've got people kneeling and standing and they're holding arms. And, and the only thing that they're unifying against is Trump saying something negative about the NFL. They are, they are unified around the shield. They are not unified around Colin Kaepernick. Or the reason for the protest to begin with? No, not at all, not at and, all. And, and and you get things like them locking arms 
which I don't know what that is. It's just like a half measure of a protest. Like, it's not... They just want to... Like, everybody else is doing it, so they, they want to do something. Whereas I don't think they... I don't... They're not taking a stance. Mm-hmm. The uh, word that most of the owners kept using was unity. In almost every single one of their statements, it was unity. I do think it's... Sports is the great unifier. and I do think it's really interesting that... The NFL was probably as divided as it's maybe ever been amongst players and owners and, and that kind of thing. And, and Donald Trump might be the one that brings them together. Mm-hmm. Like, that was as unified an NFL as you've seen in a long time. I do think it's very interesting, the point that you brought up, that it may... They may be unified when they stand there on the sideline, but get them in the locker room away from the cameras and you have no idea what's going on. It's going to affect teams and I think the Steelers are the ones to keep an eye on. Because I don't... I read the Villanueva apology and I didn't quite get it. Like, Roethlisberger gave him permission to do it. But then why did he apologize? So I just felt bad? I saw a a pretty interesting tweet from uh, Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout that said, he he said, does anyone know if Villanueva is still, like, in the National Guard? Like, is he still active duty in some way, shape, or form? Because if he is, it may be a requirement. Like, if, if he's still in the military, he does not have a choice. Um, well, I mean, now, and that, that was just, that's just an interesting part of it, but... Ultimately, Villanueva apologized because he said, he's like, I kind of came out of the tunnel and I thought that, like, everybody was kind of right behind me. And then, like, the anthem started and he said he felt like he got trapped, like he couldn't, like, turn his back and go in once it started. And he said that, like, you know, Tomlin came out and basically said, we're not participating. And then I got trapped in that situation and I can't. I'm not going to turn my back and go in there after it's already starts. And so I felt like I threw my team under the bus by being out there and especially like because of who I am. That it that it look it's a really bad look that like my team doesn't want to do it but me the three tours in Afghanistan you know, former Army Ranger, I'm going to come out here and do it because I respect the flag and the anthem and my team doesn't. I didn't think it was a bad look. He, but I mean, from him, that's that's that. Those are his words. Okay. Um, um, the I Roethlisberger think thing is ridiculous. I think it's interesting because he he said he asked Roethlisberger if he could do it. Did he? Yeah. He asked Roethlisberger if he could take part in this protest, and Roethlisberger said yes. Like as a team captain, he asked him. Can then, I take part in a in the protest? Well, that's what I didn't want to. I didn't understand because he wanted to do something. He wanted to. Like, go out and still honor the flag. And he asked Roethlisberger if he could do it. And Roethlisberger said yes. And then afterwards, Roethlisberger comes out and says he didn't agree with what the team did, essentially. Roethlisberger's kind of breaking ranks. Roethlisberger said, like, I couldn't sleep the night afterward. That he didn't sleep Sunday night because it was so heavy on his conscience. There's some things between Roethlisberger and Tomlin right now. There has to be. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of... Almost fighting over the power of the team, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and maybe it plays out poorly, or maybe it's just a non-issue in two weeks because it's just a football game. So I don't know, but it's well, it's something interesting to uh, that I'm keeping my eye on the football aspect of it. 
I I just um, I'll I'll leave it at this. I um I'm very very disappointed at what this has like morphed into. Um, again, if like if you guys for whatever reason, it's not just because he's our friend and he was on the show today. Like if you guys have not seen the video that Nick did it wasn't I mean it's it's a clip from first things first on Monday um he he hammered home pretty much exactly the way that I feel about it like this the protest the actual protest the reason for it has been hijacked yep and some of that is um Trump and and I mean it doesn't even have to be Trump it doesn't have to be Clay Travis it doesn't have to be Fox News, it can just be people that see Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the National Anthem and they say, why are you protesting the anthem? And that's not what this is about. And I feel really bad for him because I feel like this thing has kind of gotten out of control and there are people that are trying to rein it in. There are people that are are standing up as much as they can, be it people in the media or people out on the streets and in the communities trying to say like no like you know the the issues with the police the issues about equality are are really the heart of this and it's just it's getting lost and it makes me really sad let me ask this if i don't know if you pay attention closely it seems like those number of cases has gone down and maybe i just get my information from nick wright's tweets and he hasn't tweeted about he's kind of turned that off as he's you know launching a new show and doing all this other stuff but it seems like those number of cases, like two years ago, it was all the time, and now I'm not hearing about it as much. Is that just the media not as interested, or no? I don't. Actually I better? don't know if um, the like as as egregious as these incidents in the past have been. I don't know if there is like a a current one. I don't know what the the most recent one is. Um, but there's still a lot of unrest because of the results of some of the trials for these officers. Um, and I mean, like I can rattle off names that you may have heard, but if you don't know what happened and then ultimately like how the officers are basically getting off and going back to work and not being held responsible for them, that's, that's where I think the continued unrest is, Yeah, is that the incident happens and that is bad enough. But then if the officer is not held accountable and specifically like what very recently within the past month or so, the officers in the, the Freddie Gray trial in Baltimore, they were basically exonerated of, of any charges. And the city of Baltimore during this incident, after Freddie Gray died, they like reached a settlement with the family and gave the the Gray family millions of dollars, basically saying that this was a wrongful death while this guy was in our custody, but then turned around and said that the officers weren't at fault. So it's like you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth. Um, it's it's tough, and it's not it's it's not sports. I know that you guys tune into Amateur Hour because you want to have fun, and maybe no one listened to it, but I just I wanted to. It's been something that's been weighing on my heart and on my conscience a lot. And I really thought that Sunday was pretty historic, but I don't think it was for the right reasons. And that's unfortunate. But 
Yeah, maybe my... It did seem kind of historic, but then on, on Monday I was just kind of like, what what was gained here? Yeah, what's, what's, it, what's it going to More do? Like, what's going to what, change? Yeah. And, just, I don't, and I don't... I, I like the fact that the NFL reacted to Trump in a very strong way, but I don't think that anything that anybody did is furthering what Kaepernick was trying to achieve. Yeah. Nothing about Sunday changes any of that, and it's all about Trump versus the NFL over the anthem, and like that's not the story. That's just not, it's not what it is. It is now. It is now. Unfortunately. Well, folks, uh, Chiefs, we uh, will be hosting the Washington R-Words on Monday Night Football. Um, we, can said, cuss, we can cuss on those Broncos, right? Yeah. We can say Redskins. Okay. What are what are we going to do for that game? What are we going to do? Uh, I will be getting back from a flight for a wedding over the weekend. Okay. I will be getting back probably right around game time. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, I was thinking about maybe like going out, being with the people. I don't no. know. We'll we'll tweet no. about it. No, no. don't want to see anybody. <laughs> don't don't want to see. I'll be around people all weekend. I don't want to see. Where? Oh, where's the destination wedding? Uh, steamboat in Colorado. Oh, cool. Well, folks, Wait, do I do I have to bring a gift? Oh, your thoughts? Uh... Here's here's the layout. I'm going to a destination wedding, paying for travel. Paying for lodging. Also bringing a bottle to contribute. Mm. They wanted everybody to bring either a bottle of wine or a bottle of booze. Okay. Do I have to still bring a present? I put up a poll. About 300 people voted and it was 64% no. But I've had like eight people come up to me in person and be like, you still have to get a present. Hmm. So the yes people are very adamant. I don't think I'm the right person to ask. I would say etiquette is probably like yes, <laughs> but would I? No, I would not. I I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> so we're in this funny stage because my girlfriend wants to get him something and I don't, but it's like my friends, so like I'm kind of responsible. So it's just kind of a standoff right now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna whittle him something up in the woods. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh, okay. Maybe, uh, okay, well, I think that this is the perfect song for that then. Folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's yes, just yeah, check us out on Amateur Hour Pride Arrowhead.com. Chiefspodcast.com. There you go. This is, uh, this is Canned Heat. Because Dirk's going to be. Canned Heat. Because Dirk's going to be going up the country to whittle a present. Oh, yeah. To his. To his I whittled it out friend. of a single piece of beech wood. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of whittling, I think of son in law. Rather than meet the parents. Yeah. Maybe I can whittle wood with you sometime. Okay, cool, buddy. <laughs> I like Paul Shore. Uh, I am a Paul Shore fan. <laughs> at least for like that short stretch of like two or three movies, like Son-in-Law, Biodome, and what in the army now? That sounds right. Yeah, those are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Biodome and Son-in-Law. Classics. <laughs> Two by two. I'm gonna build my own dome. <laughs> One with the dome within a dome. <laughs> I loved that movie. That was like Stephen Baldwin, oh, the best Baldwin. Encino Man. Encino yeah, Man was was way up there. You gotta wheeze the juice and 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. You got you got quotes. I didn't, yeah. You got poly quotes in your brain. I like 90s. I like 90s film. <laughs> hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great. I 